0: Because of my personality and the things that I have taken the liberty to speak about from this pulpit, it's important that we begin by making sure you understand that in this pulpit you might hear things that you would not hear in any other church today. In fact, I dare say you've already heard music in this church that you would not hear in any other church today. I will bet you money Johnny Cash did not sing uh, Sunday Morning Coming Down anywhere else today. I want you to know that I will not intend to offend anyone. Uh, It is the nature of the Unitarian Church for you to uh, listen to me and me listen to you and us uh, share our love with one another. Also I will be discussing uh, from time to time I'll make comments about the political campaign that I was just involved in uh, and politics in general. I want to make sure you know that number one I'm not running for office. Uh, right now. Number two, uh, there's nothing that I will say that is intended to be a political statement trying to sway you in any way or another. So I would hope that when you hear those things, you'll understand I'm simply trying to make a point that has nothing to do with politics. Um, the title, The Privacy of One's Heart, uh, actually came from an editorial by Kathleen Parker uh, in the times recently where she scolded the republican party and expressed her uh, feelings and concern that the uh, republican party was doomed if it didn't take religion out of politics and put it back where it properly belonged and that is within the privacy of one's heart and uh, i happen to believe that that's a true statement not the political side of it but i believe that uh, uh, that is where religion belongs, is within the privacy of, of your heart, just like it's, uh, it belongs in the privacy of my heart. In fact, no matter how much I might talk about it from up here, or we might even discuss it together, the reality is uh, the real truth is within the privacy of one's heart. And uh, that led me to remember uh, that the first time that I uh, spoke about what I call the privacy of one's heart when many years ago uh, from this pulpit on this particular Sunday, it was during the Iran-Contra affair and Ali North was uh, had given his testimony before Congress. And there seemed to be real confusion in the public, and in particular among one or two people in this church. The late Maureen Grimes is someone who I recall expressing chagrin that Lieutenant Colonel Oliver North would acknowledge that notwithstanding the oath and the pledge he had made when he spoke before Congress that it turned out that what he had said was not true. And I said in that sermon something that is still true uh, and I, yes, I believe it to be true, but I don't. Th- I think it's beyond my belief, and that, that is that no oath or pledge can supersede the obligation of one's own heart and soul. I'll say that again because it referred specifically at that time to Ollie North, and I was stating that no oath or pledge, no matter what he said. That wasn't going to, uh, before Congress when he took the oath, that that wasn't going to supersede what he thought in his own heart and soul was of the greater importance and of the greater good. I believe it was true then. I believe it's true now. I believe it is a universal truth. And again, it speaks to the fact that no matter what I look into your eyes and what I tell you, uh, what is within my heart, is going to be the dominant uh, principle. In fact, we can expand that into all areas of life. Uh, it is even true let's, in probably its most basic form among lovers. Uh, I can look in your eye and tell you that I love you, uh, but uh, what is within the privacy of my heart may or may not uh, be a, a valid expression of what I told that person. Now, hopefully, uh, in our relationships, we learn to tell the truth about what's in our heart when we speak to those people that we love and care for. But I'm simply making the point that the real truth is always within our heart. I'll digress only to make the point that, yes, I know that it's not literally my heart, and I'm not a psychologist or a psychiatrist, and we don't need to get involved with which part of the left brain, right brain. Is involved here, so as a layman, you will uh, run with me and understand what I'm trying to say here. Now, I used, I've used, i used this concept often, and in fact, recently when I resigned from the Board of Directors to run for Congress, I sent an email uh, to the Board telling them that I was resigning, and I said, I am taking this action solely because I've qualified once again to run for Congress and will be engaged in that pursuit. Um, While conventional wisdom claims it is impossible for a true independent to be elected, and here's the relevant point, I believe that I must follow the conviction of my own heart and soul in political matters just as I profess in spiritual matters. And my calling is to speak out, and then I made my political statement there that we don't need to pursue here, What I said is I must follow the conviction of my own heart and soul in political matters just as I profess in spiritual matters. And here today, I started out with this subject that, of course, I had to tell the bulletin people 30 days ago in order to get in the December bulletin. What happens about the sermon titles sometimes is that they take on a life of their own you thought it was going to lead one place and then it ends up leading to another place. And so what happened here is is that uh, instead of this ending up being a lighthearted, jovial sermon about how great it was to follow the conviction of your heart and soul, and, and in fact I can even uh, expand that further to point out that this, uh, that concept is an example of coming back full circle to a truism and a cliche that we all know if you think about it what I just told you is nothing but the old cliche to thine own self be true. And so in its simple terms I was simply going to make this a feel good sermon that the way to find happiness was basically to end up be true to your uh, convictions of your own heart and soul uh, to thine own self be true. And as is typical of a mind that many people say thinks too much, uh, not necessarily in productive ways, but thinks too much, the pursuit here took a dark turn. Uh, it, um, it, it went a direction that I wasn't expecting, and ironically, it follows from the second paragraph of the resignation letter that I sent to the board. Again, I want to make it clear here that I'm not editorializing about anything I've ever done at the church one way or another. I'm wanting you to run with me on the concept here. Since I joined All Souls in 1978, I have served on the board at least 10 years, including once as president, three times as vice president. While there are those who have sincerely disagreed with me from time to time, I hope everyone knows that I've never taken any action or made any vote that I did not honestly think was in the best interest of All Souls both as to style and substance. Now, the surface, that looks real simple. I'm simply saying that I might have made you mad, but I didn't intend to, and uh, I hope we're going to be friends. But it caused me to think further about the ramifications when we follow the convictions of our heart and soul, something that in general we think is a good thing, and it uh, leads us to ask the question, okay, what if following the conviction of my own heart and soul, what if I'm wrong? Uh, what if it turns out that what I was so absolutely convinced of and absolutely so uh, desperately knowing in my heart and soul was right and worked so aggressively to to pursue what if it turns out that it was wrong and there's some things that that come up that i'll give here as as a brief illustration first i want to comment that some of this thought process comes from going to see the the movie valkyrie uh, this weekend the tom cruise movie about the attempted assassination of hitler colonel von Stauffenberg. Uh, had taken the pledge, uh, which, by the way, is stated at the beginning of the movie, that was required of all the armed forces because the pledge they took was not to Germany, not to the governor of the people, but it says, I swear by God this sacred oath that I shall render unconditional obedience to Adolf Hitler, the Fuhrer of the German Reich. Uh, and people, supreme commander of the armed forces, and that I shall at all times be ready as a brave soldier to give my life for this oath. So, uh, you know, the Colonel von Stauffenberg, who is the hero, uh, who was the, the leader of the attempt to assassinate Hitler, uh, he defied that oath. My guess is when he took that oath, he intended to follow it, but then using his mind and common sense, he came to realize that that oath was not reaching the destination that perhaps he had thought it would. And so once again, he uh, followed within the, the footsteps of the fact that no oath or pledge can supersede the conviction of one's own heart and soul. And he took a different direction and attempted to assassinate Hitler. That brings up the subject of Hitler himself, though, in that it is well-documented. Hitler's diaries uh, prove that Hitler believed that he had been chosen by divine providence to conquer Europe and drive out the Jews, and even the methods that he used to do it. So. Are you seeing, I'm giving the first example now here of a case where someone apparently was following the conviction of his own heart and soul, and yet it turned out to be a a horrible, uh, diabolical, uh, mass-murdering rampage that attempted to take over the world. This, in a crux, is what took the dark turn for me when I was so proud to tell you that we can find happiness by following the convictions of our own heart and soul. And it also caused me then to go further and think of a, some other people and examples that I'll just briefly throw in. Uh, one is the question of, of Harry Truman and his decision to use the atom bomb. A quote from, from Harry Truman is illustrative along these lines because he says, the atom bomb was no great decision. It was merely another powerful weapon in the arsenal of righteousness. Uh, I find it interesting, an arsenal in the weapon of righteousness. Now I personally am one that stand behind Truman generally on his use of the atom bomb But I find that particular quote somewhat frightening uh, for some reason. And I should point out that Eisenhower later, uh, in uh, telling his opinion about the use of the bomb, uh, said, uh, I voiced uh, to Secretary of War my grave misgivings. Uh, It was my belief that Japan was at that very moment seeking some way to surrender with a minimum of loss of face. Uh, dropping the bomb was completely unnecessary. Now, part of what I'm saying there is that Truman followed the conviction of his own heart and soul, and there are those as prominent as Eisenhower in history who turned around and challenged that position in saying that it wasn't the right thing to do. Uh, Although I will say that in doing some of my Uh, research to to speak to you today. I for the first time came upon a very complete history of what is called the Rape of Nanking, which I must confess to you I had only barely heard of and was not at all familiar with. But in 1937 the Japanese had attacked China and the city of Nanking where they had raped and slaughtered Three hundred thousand Chinese, and had used babies, uh, women, children, and men uh, as bayonet practice uh, while they were alive, and took great joy and great pleasure in slaughtering the Chinese people. And so, as I think about the horror of the use of the atom bomb, I wonder if Truman might have had that history, and had that background as part of why he decided to use such a destructive force. and All of this is simply to say that as history evolves trying to determine what is good or bad, uh, we don't really ever know hardly the, the answers. Let, let's move forward in time to George Bush. I dare say most people in this congregation were not happy with George Bush. I voted for him twice, and I was not happy with him. But I know that in his recent interviews, he's pointed out that he was following the conviction of his own heart and soul and doing what he thought was right and what was best. It's an example, once again, of the controversy of trying to figure out uh, what, when to follow the conviction of your own heart and soul and when maybe it's taking you too far. Now, in a trivial example, some of you know that when I ran for Congress First, two years ago, my main issue was illegal immigration, and one of my big concerns is uh, the question of, of what to do with uh, illegal immigrants and the status of how we acquired Mexico. And as you know, there are even a number of people who think we ought to give back uh, not, uh, not how we acquired California and uh, Mexico and uh, Arizona. And there are people who think we even ought to give it back. To Mexico, my cousin uh, John Raglan, uh, sent me a scathing email pointing out that we actually should have been giving the states back to Mexico instead of me fighting them so strongly. That shows you the awkwardness of trying to take a political position that no matter what you say you 're going to get in trouble with someone in this particular case, it was my nephew. It is illustrative that. Even Mark Twain pointed out that uh, no tribe, however insignificant, and no nation howsoever mighty occupies a foot of land that was not stolen. When the English, the French, and the Spaniards reached America, the Indian tribes had been raiding each other's territorial clothesline for ages, and every acre of ground in the continent had been stolen and restolen 500 times. I only point out the fact that As I saw what I thought was something that needed to be – it was a serious political problem and an issue uh, for every – as I try to follow the conviction of my own heart and soul, there are as many people with different opinions uh, about what is right uh, as can be. So, So the question that comes up to me is, while I would still believe that the avenue to happiness is really to follow the conviction of your own heart and soul, to be true to thine own self, come to the conclusion that with it creates a serious level of obligation that probably we don't think about that often. And that is, if the more rabid, the more radical we are with following the conviction of our own heart and soul, the more important it is that we follow some of these guidelines that I'm thinking here. Number one, we need to ask ourselves, are we in good health in a position to make such decisions? Obviously, if we're mentally insane, hopefully somebody will stop us uh, before we do anything real bad, which obviously did not happen early enough in the case of Hitler. But we need to be in good physical health. And then I think we owe it to ourselves to just as rapidly as we pursue the issues that we, are, we have this conviction from our heart and soul, that we have the same rabid pursuit of educating ourselves and finding out the history and the truth about what it is that we're going to advocate so strongly. Uh, I think that it means we have to be willing, we have to change as we learn more things, and I think it means that we have to admit when we're wrong, which, by the way, I think very seldom do people do, and i think it's very critical that we learn to admit when we're wrong as well as take credit for when we're right so my conclusion for you today outside of the parameters of a field good sermon about following the convictions of your own heart and soul and to thine own self be true my admonition to you today is when you do so make sure that you do it responsibly make sure that you do it with much study with much earnest uh, concern about the ramifications of what you do. And I'll just make one further amplification here in departure, and that's this. I believe this also applies in religion. I've talked to you here politically. When I hear people tell me that I'm damned to an eternal hell if I don't believe a certain way or do a certain thing, or, and we could go through all sorts of religious issues that can be thrown at us. I think when anyone does that, I think they have the obligation to study and to look at the history of things and to not be willing to blindly accept faith for its own face value. I think it's very critical that we as Unitarians, whether we're on the uh, Christian side of the spectrum going all the way to the atheist side of the spectrum, because we have In these pews here today, we have people who range everywhere from pure atheist to uh, sincere Christian and everything in the middle. I think it's important that in our discussions and our conversations, that when we profess things, that we owe it to ourselves and to the person that we're talking to, to study those issues and to make sure that we don't just blindly try to lead people in places that maybe they should not be going and perhaps we should not be going